Friends, it's a real gift this year that All Saints Day uh, falls on a Sunday. So every six or seven years, we get the opportunity uh, to celebrate this feast day sort of uh, on a much larger scale. And it gives us the opportunity to obviously honor and reverence those who have gone before for us marked with the sign of faith. But I think even more than that, it helps to refocus us on our call to be saints. That the fundamental vocation of every single Christian person is to become holy like Jesus, to become a saint. This was one of the things that the Second Vatican Council wanted to really emphasize right in the 1960s was that there was this kind of sense, this kind of a spiritual elitism, right, that said that it's only the job of priests and monks and nuns to be saints. And Vatican II wanted to insist, no, no, no. Everybody is called to be holy. It's everyone's fundamental vocation to be a saint. And, you know, there would be a million ways of capturing what a saint is, defining what a saint is, finding scriptural references that sort of help us get at what the, nat- what the life of a saint looks like, maybe something like uh, the Beatitudes in our Gospel today, a kind of job description of the Christian life and of holiness. But, you know, the one verse I always come back to that for me defines what a saint is more than any other is that one line from St. Paul in Galatians chapter 2 where he says, For it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives within me. And I think more than anything else, the defining characteristic of the saint is the person who has been so transformed by the power of God's love, so transformed by the power of God's grace, that they become another Christ. That the call of every single one of us is when somebody sees us, they say, oh, there's another Jesus. That the I, the capital I, of our own consciousness right, is transformed by God's grace into the eye of Jesus. That we become like Him. The saint is someone who more than others has been so radically transformed by love of God and love of neighbor that they have become another Christ. I wanted to sort of play on that capital I um, with three things, three I words, that sort of define why we as Catholics put such an emphasis on the communion of saints. Three I words. The first is imitation. The saints, first and foremost, just on like a human level, give us someone to look up to, to emulate, for someone who has been so excellent in their particular domain, with regard to this, the domain of holiness. But it's true in everything in life, right? You know, as a little, as a little boy, you, I looked up to and wanted to imitate the best at their craft in whatever it is that I wanted to do. You know, so I wanted to, uh, I wanted to shoot a turnaround jump shot like Jordan, you know? I wanted to be like Mike back in the 90s, like I think a lot of people. Uh, when I when I did some dancing, you know, I wanted to uh, I wanted to dance like Usher or Chris Brown, you know, 
when I started playing guitar, like I wanted to play like Clapton, you know, or like Dave Matthews, or you know, somebody excellent at their craft. And of course, the 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 pinnacle for me as a tennis player is I want to be like Roger Federer. You know, that's all I want in life. I just want to be like Roger Federer. Someone who is just so Imitation just means I want to imitate somebody who's just like me. Roger Federer is a human being just like me, but has mastered the craft in such a way that I want to imitate that. I want to imitate that. In the incredible diversity and universality of the saints, there's, there's always a saint that can relate to us. I mean, look in this church, right? If you're a parent who's struggling because your, your kids don't seem interested in faith, right? We have the figure of St. Monica and her faithful endurance in prayer. If you're committed to the work of justice and charity and acts of mercy and need strength in that, right? We have incredible figures like Francis of Assisi and Oscar Romero who dedicated their lives to that. If you're in education and you spend your lives working with forming young people, we have someone like an Elizabeth Ann Seton who founded schools. Right? If you're immersed in the intellectual life, in your academic career, we have someone like a Thomas Aquinas. If you feel sort of alone in practicing your faith because no one else around you shares your values, we have somebody like a Kateri, who was one of the few Christians in her Native American tribe after she became Catholic. If you're working on reforming yourself or reforming various institutions or systems that you work in, you have figures like St. Catherine, figures like John the 23rd. If your head is way ahead of your heart and you seem to know what the right thing to do, but you always seem to fall short, you have somebody like an Augustine whose intellectual journey far outpaced his affective journey. The saints represent people on all different sides, people just like us, who we can look up to to imitate. So the first eye is imitation. The second is inspiration. Listen, life is tough. Life right now is really tough. And living the Christian faith is tough. And we need people constantly in our corner. We need cheerleaders. We need fans. We need advocates who are always cheering us on if we're going to endure the journey. I, uh, I made the mistake once of running a half marathon. And I know to you marathon running people, it's going to be very offensive. But I had never run distance in my life. I was a tennis player. We do, there's a number of tennis players here, tennis coach here. We do sprints, you know, you sprint, you get a break. <laughs> sprint, you get a break. So I didn't do distance. Well, in the seminary, if a couple of my seminary buddies, they convinced me to run the Flying Pig in uh, Cincinnati. And because my ego was involved, I had to do it at that point. <laughs> and so I trained and I ran the half marathon in Cincinnati. And I will tell you that was the worst one hour, 52 minutes and 40 seconds of my entire life, which says I've lived a good life. I mean, I will admit that. I've been somewhat of a charmed existence if that's the worst two hours of my life. But I hated it. And I crossed the finish line, and they put a blanket around me. And I remember saying to my buddy there, I said, I will never run again. Do you understand me? I will never run again. But 
as you know, if you've run a marathon or gone someone gone to cheer someone or gone to a cross-country meet or something like this, what the fans on the side doing, cheering you on, can get you through. I remember the, I mean, I was done at, I was done at, after the first quarter, the first mile, but, but I kept going, and about round, you know, mile 12, I'm, I'm done, but that last mile, you know, there's just, just thousands of people along the end to cheer you on, strangers cheering you on, your biggest fans, your biggest advocates, and you can do incredible things because they're there that you likely would have stopped if they weren't there. And so what the saints do for us is they're this constant source of inspiration. They're around the throne of God, and they are our constant cheerleaders. They're constantly in our corner. They're constantly advocating for us before the throne of God to help us endure the trials uh, of this life. So the second eye is inspiration. The third eye is intercession. And here's the principle that underlies this. God delights in delegating. God delights in delegating. Right? We all know that a, a manager who delegates authority, right? It usually doesn't. We usually don't say about that uh, executive that they're losing their power. We usually say they're they're strengthening it. They're broadening it by including other people uh, within that power, within that authority. God delights in doing that. God delights in delegating and making other people, other human beings, uh, a myster- mysterious participants in God's plan of salvation. And he, he's done, he has a track record on this, right? He did this throughout the Old Testament. He included mediators like Moses in communicating to human beings. And even though in the figure of Jesus we have what Scripture calls the one mediator between God and humanity, Jesus desires for other people to share in his mediatory power. That God desires to delegate so that other people can play a role. Our our prayers, our actions can play a role, a mysterious role, in God's plan of salvation. And so I ask you to pray for me. If I ask you to pray for me for something going on in my life, right? God gives you some kind of power that He takes your prayers into consideration in some mysterious way in my own journey. And what we celebrate today is that that process does not end with death. That death has no power over Jesus. Death cannot separate the bonds of the human family. Death cannot separate the bonds of the body of Christ. So if I ask you to pray for me, it's no different than if I ask Kateri Tekawitha to pray for me. In fact, you could argue they have a little advantage, which they're kind of closer to God than... I'm not saying you guys aren't close to God, but Kateri's pretty, pretty good, you know? You could say there's even an advantage. But the point is that death doesn't stop that. Death doesn't destroy the bonds that we have, and so the prayers of the saints from heaven are powerful, and God includes them. God includes them in His plan of salvation, just like He includes our prayers for each other. God delights in delegating. And so the whole Catholic understanding of things with the sacraments and so many other things come back to that principle that God delights to use us as mediators, as messengers of his divine power. 
And so, friends, we celebrate the saints today. And we hope the number of the saints far surpasses, of course, the number that the church has canonized. Those are the ones we highlight today. But I think we all know that there are people that are saints in heaven that the church has not canonized. Right? But we remember and venerate all of them today. And we ask that they help us with those three eyes, that we would imitate them, that we would be inspired by them, and that we would ask for their intercession on our earthly journey. Those three eyes are just to remember the goal of the Christian life, which is to have our eye transformed by the power of God's grace so that it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me.